Connections Cast with the X in the middle. This is our inaugural full-length podcast. Um, this series is going to be on social justice, and today's podcast is on what it means to be woke. I'm John. I'm a core member of Connections Community Church, and I'm joined by Dr. Pastor Loved One, Dr. Talby. Hi, Dr. Talby. Hi. Hi, John. Hi, everybody. I'm Sandra J. Talby, and um, so here we go. So we're going to be talking about what it means to be woke, and let's start with the definition, uh, John. You got it. Yeah. The definition from the Oxford Dictionary says, since 2017, it's been defined as being well-informed, especially being aware of political and social issues like racism. Yeah, so um, being aware, aware. And uh, as I was talking to my daughter, she said to me, Mom, that's true, but it also means you have to speak. Have to speak up. Mm, yes. So it's being aware and speaking out about those issues that uh, overlap between social and racial uh, injustice. Yes. And so if we look at some historical context, uh, when did this notion begin? The notion itself began and was popularized in a 1962 article in which the writer of that New York Times article was referencing uh, a play that had just been written uh, about a individual in a community in Harlem, which is in New York, that was going through issues uh, around race. And inside that play, the author speaks about the main character needing to stay stay woke, stay woke to the situations that are around and speaking up, just like your daughter said. And yeah. so the term was also written in that New York Times article was called Stay Woke, but instead of just talking about the implications of the play itself and what was going on in Harlem at the time, they were actually making a point that white beatniks who were also using the the term after the play were using it incorrectly or that they were appropriating it and that that was for some reason um, uh, unacceptable. Okay, and so I'm going to go back uh, to the late 19th century. We see that the term woke and wide awake first appear in political culture and political ads during the 1860 presidential election. Did you know that? Oh, you're right. You're right. I forgot to go I, back that far. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize that. And that was in support of Abraham Lincoln. Mm-hmm. And so the Republican Party cultivated the movement to primarily oppose the spread of slavery as described in the White Awakes movement. Mm. Then we move on up into uh, the present time and contemporary uh, popular culture. We know that Eric Badu uh, is correlated with that term. Do you remember uh, what she did and what she did in the song? I do remember that. Yeah, she had a, a song called Master Teacher in which she used the refrain, Stay Woke, Stay Woke. 
So that is that is a, even a more recent than the 1962 and far more recent than the 1860s. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, uh, and then we know that uh, President Obama had a take on it, and he kind of thought that we should really get stuck on that, that he said something like culture is messy, and so we should not uh, really be worried about whether we're woke or not. So, uh, so that was... I think somewhere in 2016 or later. Um, anything else you want to add to that? Yeah, I think he made he made a point about being pure in everything that you say, and he was making a point that if there's like this circular circular firing squad where everyone is trying to prove that the other is more woke and more understanding of social situations, then often the work of being woke and actually speaking out and doing something can be replaced by this kind of politically overcorrect speech is what I remember taking from from his point of view, which is very interesting. Yeah, 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 it is. So, yeah, so he, he was really critiquing the whole thing on the woke culture. Yeah. And, um, talking about this idea of purity and you're never uh, compromised politically woke and all that stuff and he said he really said you should get over it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah so uh, so so there we have sort of a fast review down through uh, the century and now let's just take a, a, a little look at uh, what is the resistance to the whole thing of being woke how do people resist that what are some of the talking points then and now yeah, a lot of a lot of people, um, especially on the conservative side, say that um, why why does this apply to me or how does this apply to me? I wasn't. My ancestors might have been the ones who weren't woke and weren't understanding of other people's problems, but that doesn't apply to me. Yeah, I'm not part of the problem. I didn't own slaves. I wasn't part of that. So, so, yeah, that is some of the resistance to it. Mm-hmm. And so we, we have to think about ways to help people understand that uh, we, we, we understand that you aren't proud of it. But there's a systemic progression down through the ages of racist behaviors that have pervaded the culture. And even though, sure, people today had no part in slavery, I had no part in slavery, you didn't have any part in slavery, but the ideas and the uh, different uh, things that have pervaded our systems that show itself in housing and healthcare, that is what we need to be awakened about. That is what we need to be woke about. So, so yeah, sure, I, I can understand uh, that people say I didn't have any pride in it, but by perpetuating some of the racist ideas is what we are trying to uh, the end. Yeah, exactly. And, and when you think of the consequences and the reasons why that these systemic practices started in the first place, that hasn't changed. Like the Bible says, there's nothing new under the sun, and what goes on in our hearts today is some of the same things that went on in the hearts of the people before us, we just have a new history where we've been told that slavery is wrong and and um, that 
to be woke is more correct, but we still have some of these issues in our hearts and we have to consider that and we have to look at those things um, as, as things that we need to work on ourselves to be more woke and to be more um, considerate. Yes, so we've been saying that one of the ways to be woke is to be aware, so aware that we are dealing with systemic racism that began way back in the time of slavery and that continues to pervade culture today. And then the other part is to speak up and to speak out about it as a way of uh, stopping uh, the perpetuation of, of ideas, of behaviors uh, that, 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 that keep the systemic racism uh, going. Yeah. If you only have one voice going and it's a racist or a systemic unjust voice and you don't speak up, then there's no clash of ideas. There's no pushback. Yeah, exactly. And John Lewis was one of the ones um, who really spoke up about that. I mean, I've known of John Lewis for many years, but I didn't really know um, how active he was in, in Congress. Now, for those of you who don't, don't know, John Lewis died recently. I think he was 80 years old. He was uh, a congressman, served for 35 years. Before that, he was a social activist who began his journey by sitting in uh, at lunch counters well, down in the South because <laughs> the deal was that they wouldn't serve people of color mm. and so uh, he sat in and protested and got hauled off to jail and that happened many 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 times I think he said he was jailed 40 times and beaten and he was beaten so badly in his head that his skull cracked so he, 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 he felt called to, to be aware and to stand up and to speak out about what was going on. And this was in the 60s. And then he continued to do that after having served, served 35 years in Congress and was very um, active in passing laws for voting. Um, and so uh, that whole thing of standing up, speaking out, being aware is uh, how he gave his life uh, right up until the day he died. Uh, which was about, I think he died in uh, July or August of this year. So so he was a model of really how it should be done. And he believed it should be done through love, mm. non-violently, but through love. Yeah, and if we're thinking speaker or listener out there, when you're thinking of your perspective, when you might you might have even thought how does this relate to me this doesn't really seem to make an impact in in my life put yourself in john lewis's shoes and put yourself in in um him at the lunch counter and him at the edmund pettus bridge getting his head cracked in he he felt this issue was important enough to to give up his body for it and and so in that awareness you can see that this really matters not only to one person, but to all people. Because like Martin Luther King, I believe said that if there's injustice in one place, then there's 
um, then justice is at uh, fault uh, in in everywhere. Uh, everywhere right. it's in it's uh, it's there's problematic. Um, yeah. There's a problematic situation there. That's exactly right. And uh, why don't we take a break here? Okay. Yeah, let's take a break and. We just want to say that if you're enjoying this podcast, which we really hope you are, and you want to be a part of the solution, um, you can join Connections Community Church, which is in Irvine. We're a church plant, and to get connected with us, go to uh, the fa- on Facebook. You can type in Connections Community Church. It'll come up, and it'll be a purple logo with the letter CC intertwined. Or you can go to www.connectionscommunity.church, and we'll be right back. And say something else about John Lewis. It, it wasn't just that he sat in uh, at lunch counters, uh, and the servers were not serving people of color. That that wasn't that wasn't exactly the whole story. He started and was inspired to to be woke and to help people become aware of the need to come against racism because he uh, thought about the woman we all now know of in our history books, Rosa Parks, who was a uh, light-skinned black woman who was a house cleaner. That's what she was. She was a housekeeper and uh, in the South, in Atlanta. And one day she came uh, to a bus stop, got on the bus, sat down in the front seat and the bus driver told her she had to get up and she looked at him and she said no he said i'm tired i've worked all day i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get up he said i want you to go to the back of the bus that is where it needs the whole movement of civil rights and and john learned about that story and he was inspired by her, and then he went and began to sit in at the lunch counter. He began to wonder, how can I be involved? Exactly what you were saying, John, when you were inviting people to, to ask the question, how can I get involved? That's how he got involved. That's how mm. he was inspired. Mm. So yeah, it really, I mean, the, the whole deal with being awoke is that it starts somewhere. It, it starts with these heroes of ours, and we see their example, and they inspire us to not only um, be aware of situations going on, but speaking out and speaking up. That's and, right. That's right. So as we ask the question, you know, what does the whole being woke need to be about now? And one of the things I would say, and you'd be thinking about what you would say, John, you know, we need to have a holy discontent, and that includes really the role of the church to speak out against it, and not not to be judgmental or condemn, but to activate and to help people see that we are called to be a part of bringing change. You know, the church for too long uh, does one or two things. It either is totally involved in social justice but no gospel or it's all gospel and no activity to reach out and become involved in changing things, bringing about a change in society. And Connections Community Church, you know, we're, we're trying to be both. We 
want to preach the gospel, but we also want to help people become involved with us to see that our call is to be discontented about what's going on. There has to be a holy discontent uh, like John Lewis had. And we have to not only be aware, but to speak out and to stand up and to bring change. And so, so, so that's, that's really kind of how I see it. Would you say anything else to that, John? Uh, just briefly, that there's a, uh, a point made in the Christian faith that faith without good works is dead. And I think if you think salvation or not going to hell is the main purpose of the Christian faith, I think you're just seeing half of it or a part of it. That to have shalom and to have peace with other people and right relationships is... A huge deal in God's eyes and many prophets spoke up against injustice and so it's a it's very important to God's heart to that your relationships with others and the state of being of other people is exalted and taken care of and that their rights are are established and taken and looked after yeah that's true and, and you know that goes all the way back to Amos in the Old Testament he said uh, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. And then going a little further, in the book of Micah, uh, Micah wrote, what has God really required of us? And what he says is, and, and I know you've heard this quote, but, but this is where it comes from. He, he says, the Lord requires us to act justly, in other words, with justice. To love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. And so, so that's the context that goes all the way back to the Old Testament. And then if we push uh, through to the New Testament and we look at uh, what Jesus uh, really would say. And Jesus, you know, often told parables and he, uh, he, he would tell a story to set up the, the, the whole point and, and then he would... Uh, say, now go do likewise. So he tells the story of the Good Samaritan. And essentially what happened was uh, there was a man that was beaten badly and he was lying on, on a road and he was hurt. He was bleeding. And, uh, and so the story goes, Jesus said, that uh, first a priest came up the road, saw the man, walked by him, and who knows what he thought in his head, but essentially made the decision to walk all the way around to the other side and he left the man lying there. And then a little later, there comes a Levite who is in the order of, of a priestly line and he sees the man lying on the road and he does the same thing. Makes some decision that this is not my kind of people and he walks away from the man. And then after a while, the Bible says that a good Samaritan came by and saw the man lying there, bleeding and hurt and wounded. And a Samaritan was kind of what we would call a half-breed, Gentile, Greek, and mixed with some other uh, heritages. And he sees the man, and I think the Bible says he takes pity on him, and he lifts him up puts the man on his donkey and takes him to an innkeeper. And 
then he pays the innkeeper and he says, you take care of him and let me know how he is and I will be back and if I owe you any more money, give it to me and I will take care of it. And then Jesus says at the end of that, and that's really the message to us, he says, go and do likewise. Mm. And so we, we have, you know, if we just look around in our neighborhoods, there, there, are, there are situations where there are people wounded and hurt. And, and if they're not wounded and hurt physically, they're wounded and hurt mentally. You know, we have, we have vets uh, that are out there who have now become part of our homeless. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, everybody's not called to do the same thing. But, but we need to ask ourselves, you know, as we look at the holy discontent, what, what is it that is tugging on my heart? How can I help? Who, who is the, the wounded person, whether it's mentally or physically, that I can reach out to? Who is God calling me to reach? That's a beautiful point, Dr. Talby, and, and I just throw that out to you, uh, listener, what do you feel is tugging on your heart? What is your holy discontent? What are you seeing on the news? What are you seeing on your street corner that bothers you? And how can we come around and support you? Please uh, write a comment on our Facebook post or leave a message on our website and we will do our best to come around that because we want to be a people who act like Jesus asks us to act and go and do likewise and there's no reason why we shouldn't um, yeah 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 and John you you had a conversation you and I had at another time you, you said I wonder what Jesus uh, will look for when he comes back you know in the second coming and there is actually a scripture where Jesus uh, he says will I find faith Mm. He comes in his second return, and wow. you know, I, I kind of think that 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 means will he find that we have been doing not only taking care of the earth itself, but have we really been, you know, visiting those in prison? Have we been feeding the hungry? Have we been clothing the poor? You know, I, I think I think that might be what he what he might be looking for when he says, "Will I find faith on earth?" returns what, what do you think John? i think so too and i think it's his words um in matthew 25 he, he asks um that if you or he states that when you took care of the poor when you fed him when you clothed him when you visited him in prison um and he and he says when they ask when did we do that to you lord and he said when you did it to the least of these. That's right. That's and, right. The least of these. Mm -hmm. So the least of these are these people who are wounded, whether it's mentally or physically, just just like the Good Samaritan when he saw that man lying there on the road and he took care of him. Uh, and so that that is what Jesus is calling us to do today. So as we kind of wind down uh, for this episode, we... Uh, we think about this is all part of yes being woke being aware also speaking up and doing something 
and uh, but there are also principles of social justice that we're going to be talking about in our next episodes. And we want to talk a little bit about just a summary of, of what principles of social social justice are. What what does it look like? And so there are five principles of social justice. And, and this again comes from John Lewis. He, he had a whole social justice platform. So he said number one, there has to be access. Think about making things better for people. We have to look at access. Do they have access uh, to the things that they would need to do their life? Secondly, there has to be equity. Equity, not equality. That's a whole different thing, but equity. And number three, we have to look at the issue of diversity and uh, the fact that all different people with different needs are considered. And then four, there has to be participation. And then number five would be human rights. So those are the five principles of social justice we're going to be talking about in future episodes. You want to say anything, John, as we uh, close off? No, just welcome, viewer, um, listener. We're so excited that you're here, and we hope you are an interactive part of our journey. Um, please, once again, reach out to us on www.connectionscommunity.church and leave any comments on the Facebook page. And, and once again, we're also imperfect people, and we're doing our, our best to put out the most factual information as possible. Um, with uh, a heavenly viewpoint. So please, if we do make a mistake, um, feel free to reach out. Um, we want to correct that and just stay as close to the truth as humanly possible. So thank you. Yeah, and with that, we, we, we do not have all the answers. So we, it's not like we think you know, we, we, we know all things. We don't. Uh, but, but there's something that you know we bring, we bring a perspective uh, which is that God calls all of us to, to be involved in bringing about this change.